So um, I'm going to assume, you don't have to tell me, I'm just going to assume up front that you're going to be uh, uh, suspicious and probably not pay much attention if an overweight pastor tells you about preaching, about about um, fasting. So um, so um, instead of instead of talking to you about fasting, here, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about what I'm doing um, to become less overweight. And and fasting is not dieting. So I am dieting, but I'm also discovering as I as I become more of a mature citizen that my metabolic rate is changing and I've become an incredibly efficient machine. Now I can gain weight just by looking at a donut. So, so, so what I've done is I've started going to the gym to kind of crank up the thermostat so that I'm not quite so efficient. Maybe my body burns a little more. And so I, I'm spending time at the gym now working on, on my, my cardio, but, but in particular just trying to burn up calories and kind of crank up the, the thermostat a little bit. I'm also trying to work on my core because, um, because basically I don't have any muscle tone anywhere in, in my entire abdomen. And um, I'm capable of blowing out my back just by sitting and watching TV. So, so I'm working on my core. And so I'm, I'm at the gym. And uh, the other day, you know, um, I, was, I was at the gym. And uh, I heard this guy really making a lot of noise. And that's not usually the case. Usually the gym is actually a pretty quiet place because everyone's got their little headphones on. Um, and so we're all listening to our iPods or whatever we're doing. But we're not talking um, it's this kind of total cone of silence sort of place. But there's one guy who is grunting and puffing. He's making all this noise um, as he does his exercises. And and I'm not used to that because, you know, I, I usually am in the part of the, the gym where there's the, the cardio equipment and nobody talks there. They're watching TV or whatever. And then and then there's the, the machines and nobody's talking there. Now, maybe over in the other section where the serious people are with the free weights, maybe... Maybe people grunt and puff there, but nobody grunts and puffs in the, the universal section. So, so I was really surprised because there was this guy, he was grunting and puffing, my goodness, his sound effects. He had a whole soundtrack with him. And, and it was like every single thing he did was like, right? And you just dominating the entire sound of the entire gym. And I was thinking to myself, what's up with that? What is he doing? I mean, is that, is that the right thing to do? Are, are the rest of us all doing this wrong? Should we be, you know, Breathing in and out very, very strongly like this. I, you know, I'm not sure what's up with that. Maybe he's doing it wrong. Maybe this is going to lead to one of those, you know, the agony of defeat moments where he like rips a tendon or something. I don't know what's he up to with this, with this grunting and puffing thing. And, and then I'm thinking, well, maybe he's just doing it to impress everybody else with just how incredibly strong he is. And what made me think about that is because I happened to use one of the machines that he had used and he had like, 15 plates stacked on it uh, beyond the point where I go to. So so I'm thinking maybe maybe he did uh maybe he was just trying to show off. So I don't know. Um but but he was challenging a lot of my my assumptions, my my understanding of how the gym worked and and what's up with this kind of grunting and puffing. And in our reading today, um uh, Jesus challenges people's assumption about how fasting works. Jesus, Jesus challenges these people because they, they think that they understand the system. Like, like me in the gym, they think they understand how this works. They think they know the rules. And Jesus comes in and he undermines everything they thought that they understood about how it works. Uh, so, so what they do is they say, hey, uh, they, they send him a delegation and they say, Jesus, um, you have sent, I mean, you and your disciples are, 
are different. You're, you're behaving differently than we're used to. You don't fast as often as the rest of us. And um, they say the Pharisees and, and John the Baptist's uh, disciples, we don't, we don't, um, we, we do fast a lot more often than you do. And you're 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 changing our understanding now. This delegation, it says, it says in the scripture that uh, the disciples of John came to him. So uh, these are the people who were followers of John the Baptist, and some of Jesus's own disciples had previously been disciples of John the Baptist. So there's been a couple of delegations now. There's a delegation we heard from a couple of weeks ago. The scribes said Jesus doesn't have authority, and he proved that he does have authority. Um, last week we looked at a different delegation. Some Pharisees said, you're hanging out with the wrong kind of people. And Jesus said, I'm going to hang out. You know, I was sent for people like this, and um, I'm going to be loyal to them. I'm not going to throw them under the bus just because you try to intimidate me. So we've seen Jesus has dealt with, with delegations before. And so now this third delegation is from uh, uh, John's disciples. And the reason they're coming to Jesus instead of John is they can't go to John. John has been arrested at this point. The last we heard from John was back in chapter 3. He baptized Jesus at the Jordan River, hence the name John the Baptist, because he, he went around baptizing people, including Jesus. And so he baptizes Jesus, and then he, he gets into trouble. He, he uh, says that the king has, has uh, committed a, um, something that was, that was wrong. He had, he had sinned by marrying his uh, sister-in-law. And so uh, the, the king arrests him and puts him in prison. And so his disciples don't know who to go to. And I think beyond that, they're, they're really wondering what's up with Jesus because they, they, they have eyes and they have ears and they can look at Jesus and say, there's something special here. This guy is connected to God. We've heard the rumors. In fact, some of John's disciples might have been there the day that John himself pointed at Jesus and said, uh, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But whether or not they were there that day, they have eyes and ears. They could have heard um, about what Jesus. They could have seen the things that Jesus was doing. They could have heard about the way he was teaching about God in a new way. And so they're saying, here's a guy who's connected to God. He's clearly uh, somehow connected to God. And, and yet John, who was also connected to God, is in prison. John did all the right things. John, John had a, had a, a, all the spiritual disciplines. He lived out in the wilderness. He ate locusts and he fasted all the time. John was a guy who was really connected to God. Um, and yet John's in prison. And here is Jesus who isn't even fasting properly. And he's doing all kinds of miracles. People are looking at Jesus and going, going, this guy's amazing. And so John's disciples go to Jesus and they say, Help us to understand what's up with this. We thought you had to fast all the time. And in fact, we know someone who has, and he hasn't been blessed for it. But here you are, you and your disciples are hardly fasting at all, and, and God is clearly at work in, in the things you're doing. So that's the, that's the question that they come to Jesus and say, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answers them, first of all, because Jesus is is a pastor. Um, Jesus answers them pastorally. I think Jesus shows real sensitivity. He says, I understand uh, what's behind this question. So I'll answer the question in a minute, but first I want to address the, the thing that's behind it. He says, he says um, those who are well have no need of a physician. I'm sorry, that was last week. He says, sorry, he says, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? 
the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus says, Jesus says, I understand the, the, the difficulty you're having right now because the guy you, you looked up to, the guy you saw as a spiritual leader is, is not, um, is not in, in, uh, thriving in his ministry. So, so Jesus answers their, their pastoral, their question pastorally first. But I think we can, we can hear, even if we don't know about somebody in prison like, like John the Baptist, I think we can hear the, the difficulty that John's disciples have where they're saying, I don't understand how come it is that, that this person here is doing the things that, that he's doing, but doesn't seem to be doing all the right steps. He seems to be skipping some of the steps. Or, or maybe we're coming at it a different way. Maybe we're saying, um, I don't know why he does that. I don't do that. Maybe if I did that, my, my life would thrive the way his is. So kind of like me in the gym wondering about the guy breathing hard. Uh, we can look at somebody, we can look at a spiritual giant. We can look at a, um, a Mother Teresa or a, or a Billy Graham and say, maybe the reason that they're so successful in their ministry, maybe the reason that God has smiled on them is because they are better than me at these things. They, they pray more. They give more generously. They fast. Um, we can look at them and say, I wonder, I wonder if that's why they're successful. Or alternatively, we can say, you know what? I do those things. I do those things. And yet I'm not successful. Um, we can start to wonder what is the connection between these spiritual disciplines that we, we do or fail to do and and the success that God gives us in, in, in our, in our lives, in our, in our marriages, in our, in our other relationships, in our jobs, in our finances. We can say, what is the connection between my spiritual disciplines and, and my life? One of my favorite quotes, um, it's, it's a quote attributed to Martin Luther, the 15th, uh, 16th century uh, Protestant reformer. He, he famously said, um, or is attributed to have said, um, he said, uh, normally every day I pray for two hours, but today I've got a lot of stuff to do. I'm going to be really busy, so I'm praying for three hours. And, and I don't know about you, but that's not the way it works for me. Um, you know, I'm not Martin Luther. And so I look at somebody like Martin Luther, who is, you know, a household word still 500 years later, and you say, maybe that's why. Maybe if I would do what he did, maybe if I would make that a priority, if I would spend time in prayer, even when I have other things that are, that are working hard on me, maybe I would be successful like they are. And so I start to, I start to wonder, maybe there is a connection between spiritual disciplines and success. So that's the question that I think people can reasonably ask. We can say, I don't fast. Maybe that's why I'm having some trouble in this area. I don't pray. Maybe if I prayed, then I'd have more money. You know, there's a guy on TV who says just that. So maybe if I prayed more often, I could have more money. And we can start saying, if I spent more time in prayer and fasting, if I was uh, more generous as a giver, if I exercised these spiritual disciplines better, then maybe God would smile on me. So Jesus is answering that question. And the first thing he says, yes, is, is, is he says, the bridegrooms cannot mourn while the bridegroom is here. The bride, the, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. But then he says, hey, it's not just John. It's going to happen to them too. The bridegroom is going to be taken from them and then they will fast. Jesus is saying here, be very careful about connecting your circumstances with how God, God feels about you. Don't, 
Don't jump to the conclusion that because things are going well in your life that God loves you or because things are going badly in your life, God hates you. He says, John the Baptist is a great man. And in fact, in a few chapters, we're going to read, Jesus says about John the Baptist, he says, um, in all of Scripture, in the entire history of the Jewish faith, there's never been a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And yet, the occasion that he says that on is when he finds out that John has been executed. So he says, be very careful about assuming a connection between your spiritual life and uh, your circumstances and what God feels about you. But then he goes on and he says there's something new that they need to understand. He says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak for the patch pulls away from the cloak and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. He says, I'm doing something new. He says, in the past, people have understood our spiritual disciplines are how we approach God. That, that it is on our strength as, as people of prayer, people of generosity, people of, of uh, devotion, that it is on our actions that we approach God. And he says, no, there's something new that's in place, which is, it is on my strength. I am the Savior, and it is on my strength that you will approach God. He says, he says, you don't need to fast to impress God. You don't need to pray or to read the Bible or do these other things to impress God because what I have done in my life and death and resurrection has already satisfied God and there's nothing you can do to impress God beyond that. So he says, he says, first of all, uh, don't assume God doesn't love you just because things are hard in your life. But then he goes on and says, don't assume that somehow you're insufficient because you have benefit of my work on your behalf. So Jesus says, um, you don't need to fast to impress God. Fasting has never been a big part of the Jewish religion in the Torah, the, the five books, the, the beginning five books of the Old Testament. Uh, there is exactly one fast commanded, one fast every year that's commanded. Everyone has to obey it. But there's three feasts. Um, and and uh, the the Passover, the the central the central celebration of the Jewish faith, has a feast at its center where you eat this feast quickly, and then you come back for the next six days and eat slowly. So um, so uh, fasting has never been a big central part of the Jewish faith, and it's even less so with Christianity. Uh, there are basically five things in the New Testament about about fasting. Jesus begins his own ministry with a fast. He goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil, and he fasts during that period of time. In the early church, they fasted sometimes uh, before before commissioning Paul and Barnabas to, to a new ministry. So we see at the beginning of a ministry, in particular when people want to hear from God, uh, fasting may be appropriate. But we also see Jesus teach very carefully about, about fasting. He says, he says if um, you're fasting to impress God, don't do that. And he gives the example of the, the Pharisee who goes up to the temple and he's praying and there's a tax collector over here and he says, hey God, look how good I am. I fast twice a week. Jesus says, that's not, that's not the right way to fast. And then he says, also don't fast for other people. In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he says, he says, um, uh, when you fast, make sure other people don't know you're fasting because fasting is not about impressing people or impressing God. So Jesus says, it's even less of a, less of a deal um, in Christianity than it is in Judaism. But this new thing, the new thing is the idea that God 
is satisfied with what Jesus did, so we don't have to impress him. What that opens up for us is the possibility that spiritual disciplines, instead of becoming something we have to do in order to earn God's favor, become more accessible to the rest of us. So we have the ability to pray simply because we want to hear from God, and we believe that God will speak to us as we pray. Or or to read the Bible, again, to hear from God. We can fast because we want to put into practice what Jesus says, which is that, which is that uh, we do not live by bread alone, but by the words that come from the mouth of God. So we can hear God more closely when we fast. We can give not because we have to earn um, our, our uh, approval from God, but because we trust that God will give us what we need to be generous. So the spiritual disciplines become opened up to us as something that's an optional thing to do. If we can do them carefully, but Jesus says, don't mix them, don't mix them with the old. If you start, if you find yourself starting to think, well, by fasting, I can win God's approval, then discontinue the spiritual discipline. Instead, take a nap or relax or throw a party. Take a nap, not because, not because the Sabbath is, a, is the law, but because you need a rest. Uh, relax, not because everything is going perfectly in your life, but because God loves you. Throw a party because it's an opportunity to invite some disreputable people to your house. Jesus says, if, if you start thinking about the spiritual disciplines as the way to improve your relationship with God, stop them. Don't sew a new patch onto an old garment. Don't pour new wine into an old jug. You can still do them. The old and the new are both there, but don't try to mix them because now they're a gift. The spiritual disciplines are not how we approach God. They're a gift from God. But the way we approach God is in Christ, who's done everything we need to satisfy God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus has opened up the spiritual disciplines. We can pray, we can be generous, we can read devotionally, we can we can uh, spend time meditating all the ways that people for 2,000 years, Lord, have have come to you, are accessible to us. But Lord, help us uh, never let them become uh, an instrument to to impress you or to impress the people around us. Um, if, if Lord, you, you see us doing that, convict us and, and tell us to knock it off and tell us to stop it and do something else instead. Uh, we thank you for Jesus' work for us, and we thank you that these disciplines are now a gift. We pray all these things, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen.